0: Coming up on this week's show, we've got a Rainbow Book Fair recap that includes 13 interviews, we've got a whole lot of Broadway talk, and much more. Welcome
1: to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts,
2: Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 28 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willcanals.com. How you doing? I'm fine.
0: It's been a good week. It,
2: well... Yeah, I mean it has been, but it's been crazy busy. It's been a very busy week.
0: And very weird because we traveled and... Yes, we did. Yeah. I got sick when we got back. The allergies, the Humboldt allergies found me. Or the New York allergies. I'm not really sure which allergies I have, but... Mm. They are in my nose. And I don't like it. Indeed. So if I sneeze or cough or suddenly can't talk, I apologize. We'll just try to edit that out if it actually happens. (sighs) But, uh, yeah, the trip was good.
2: It was. The trip was fabulous. (laughs) I feel like you're just waiting to say something. (laughs) No, because, well, you keep mentioning our trip, but there are other things on our show list that we're going to talk about before we get to said trip. Well, I realize so that. So I'm trying not <laughs> to go off on it. I was trip. just trying to get the, the overall feeling of how you are. I'm fine. This week. Okay. And you're sick. And he didn't get the allergies that
0: I got. So it's yeah. nice that we're not both sneezing and all that crap at the same time. Yeah. So we want to give a hello to new listener Melissa, who uh, we know has started listening to us uh, on the other side of the world, which is kind of fun. Um, and hi to all of our new listeners out there. Uh, we see our numbers you know, creeping up every single week, and we thank you for hanging out with us. Yes. There's a lot of stuff you could be doing, but you, you spend some time with us, and that's really cool. So please keep it up, and, uh, you know, hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we were gone last week <laughs> for, like, the whole week. Yes, we right. uh, With a combination of Rainbow Book Fair, which we will talk about later, and our spring, what we call the Spring Theater trip to New York. Yeah, yeah. And boy, did we jam the theater in this time. We saw a whole bunch of stuff. I think eight. You saw eight. I think I saw 7 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, shall we just run through them in order in which we saw? Sure. Do you want
2: to start, just jump in and start talking about them? Might as well. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, first thing we did was, uh, we had two show Wednesday, thanks to the lovely concept of matinees, and we saw The King and I, uh, which has been playing for over a year now up at uh, Lincoln Center at the Vivian Beaumont Theater. We were lucky enough to see Kelly O'Hara and Ken Watanabe uh, in the roles that they uh, originated in this revival. Mm -hmm. So good. Mm -hmm. I have to admit, I've never seen a production of The King and I. I've never seen the film. Um, Apparently, I didn't know half the plot. (laughs) Uh, Because really, the only bits of plot that I knew were around, you know, that that Anna comes to train... Uh, teach English to the kids and to some of the wives. And yeah. and uh, I had no idea about the plot of the two young lovers in the show, mm-hmm. um, kind of doomed lovers uh, in the long run. Uh, I heard the songs that they sang, but never in the context of the show. So there was a whole wonderful aspect of the
2: show that I had no idea was coming. Oh, good. I'm glad you had an uh, enlightening Rogers and Hammerstein experience. I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I love The King and I. I've actually never seen a production of it either. Uh, I've only seen the movie. So it was enlightening to me as well. It's um, the day that this uh, particular episode comes out, Ken and Kelly will have ended their run in this particular production, uh, and two new people will be taking over the roles. Uh, one of your favorites, Maren Mazzy. Yes. Now, we, we should specify. They, they start,
0: I think, in about two or three weeks. There's oh. a gap. Oh, okay. There is a gap between um. when, yes, one of my favorites, Maren Mazzy, uh, who was the original mother in Ragtime um, and has done numerous other roles uh, that I have adored. I would listen to her sing pretty much anything. Yeah. Uh, she'll take on Anna. Yeah. And Daniel Day Kim, mm-hmm. who yeah. currently stars in Hawaii Five-0 on
2: CBS, and most people know him from Lost. Uh, takes over the role of king yeah yeah so uh highly highly recommended a really beautiful well-mounted production uh, up at Lincoln Center
0: yes we've seen many shows in the Beaumont and I don't think I've ever seen outside of War Horse I don't think I've seen that space used as well as it was yeah to present a show
2: really really exceptional really lovely yeah. okay
0: moving on next up the all-new show which is still in previews called Shuffle Along What's its subtitle? This is a really long title. It's actually, the full title of the show is Shuffle Along, or the Making of the Night of the Musical Sensation of 1921 and All That Followed. Yes. Big title. Um, amazing show. Um, I think we saw a lot of diverse theater, and I think this is the one that is my favorite of this okay. set of shows that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing cast, Otter McDonald. Uh, six-time Tony winner right there, uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell. Uh, they've they're reuniting for the first time since Ragtime. Um, Billy Porter, who came out of Kinky Boots to mm-hmm. do this show, yep, um, and many other fine talents. Um, it's got choreography from Savion Glover, who's won Tonys for the Tap Dance Kid and Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk. The tap dancing's out of this world, uh, and it. It's just mind-blowing. And the show, which truly chronicles a real show called Shuffle Along, which was, is given credit for being the first all-black produced, written, and cast musical romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about a real show. And you essentially get here almost, it's as if you're either, you're, you're watching a movie, you know, it'd be one of those, if this was a movie, it'd be, you know, A documentary-style movie, because the first act is about getting the show on its feet, and the second act is what happened to all these real people following that. Yeah. And the one person that people may know out of that block of people, depending on your history, the one that I knew was Yubi Blake, Mm -hmm. um, because I've heard of his music. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, the whole thing just blew me away from start to finish. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, Since this was in uh, previews, the show ran... We it was just a touch over three hours
0: with, the the, the intermission ran twenty minutes, yeah, and the uh, and it was supposed to be fifteen according to the playbill. Uh, the show has been trimmed way down. Uh, there was a person I was who follows my personal account on Twitter who says that he saw it when it was running over three and a half. Yeah, just a few a few days before, so it's still being tweaked.
2: Yeah, um, our our brief description of the show really can't possibly do it justice yeah it's uh an incredible story uh, in a, in a bananas it's so crazy the amount of talent on stage in this show um highly highly recommended. It. it's still in previews it's going to be opening in the next it'll be opening at the end of the month yeah. towards the end of the, month the with, of the month with all the tony stuff so yeah uh check it out if you can get a ticket Um, It might be a hot ticket and difficult to get. Yeah, um,
0: We were seeing it on TKTS during the week, Yeah, but we know because we were behind somebody buying tickets that he was buying three and his party of three was being scattered across the auditorium um, because it is selling out. So get in there and see it, Um, especially if you're an Audra McDonald fan because Audra will be out sometime from from like June through September because she's doing Lady Day in London. Mm, Okay. So if you're an Audra fan, see it. Yeah. Either before she leaves
2: or after she's back. Okay, next on the theater roundup, we saw Sarah Bareilles' Waitress. Yay! Waitress is the uh, stage musical version of the movie from... We should Maybe we should have taken notes about some of this stuff and kind of acted a little more professional. Anyway, there was a movie from several years ago. It starred uh, Felicity. Yes, Carrie Russell. <laughs> uh, it's a remarkable movie and an even more remarkable musical. Um, really just exceptional. You saw it in Boston where it was trying out. I did. Um, and there was there have been some minor changes on its road to Broadway. Yes. You said you liked this better. I think they, they really took something good mm-hmm. and
0: they elevated it. Cool. Uh, for the most part. Yeah. Those of you who've listened to the album that Sarah put out um, called what's inside songs from waitress. You'll find from the time that she's recorded that album to, if you see the show or when this show's cast album comes out, that there's a song, there's at least one song missing and I didn't do a track to track comparison, but door number three out of there and you don't really miss it in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, They did do a tweak at the end. There was a a scene in Boston at the very end of the show where uh, Jenna is making pie with her daughter. A very quiet moment, reminiscent of the of the scenes you see early in the show, that are essentially in Jenna's head where she's making pie with her mother, and that scene's gone. And I I miss that. I don't think you know if you didn't see it in Boston, you're not gonna go. Hmm, something's missing here. And they're still playing with it because again, this is still in previews, and it's possible it
2: may come back. It may not. Well, the new the newer Broadway uh, ending is a little more. It has the whole cast in it. Yes. And and what I
0: couldn't remember is if that ending also existed in Boston. Mm -hmm. If it ended with the pie scene or if it went to the pie scene to the closing diner
2: scene where there's everybody. Mm -hmm. There's a gap in my memory. Um. But if you you haven't seen the movie or don't know anything about what we're talking about, Waitress is a story about Jenna and she works at a pie cafe and she makes all these weird whimsical pies that she serves to her customers. And she accidentally gets pregnant uh, by her husband who she can't stand. And she For (laughs) good reason. He's an abusive husband. He's a dick. (laughs) (laughs) And she ends up having an affair with her doctor. Uh, and it's just sort of her journey, and well, this sounds cheesy, but it's sort of her journey into self-discovery, and um, you know, uh, trying to make her own life, yeah, to break free and yeah, make a new life, make a new life with for pies her. and her daughter. Yeah, yeah, it's a great it's, show. It's what it's, it's funny. It's wonderful. It's charming. Please check it out, or at least get download the C, the, the music, get the
0: yeah. CD. Sarah's is yeah. out now, and I've read on Playbill this week that they are going into the studio with it soon for the cast recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you don't get to Broadway, this seems like, of the shows that we saw, we, Will and I had this discussion about what would go on tour eventually. Waitress seems bound for touring, mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. like in 2017 or 2018.
2: Yeah, probably, yeah.
0: And I think King and I goes out soon-ish.
2: Okay, I think it goes out sometime late this year. That would be cool. From to see. what I've heard, yeah, that would be cool too. Yeah. Okay. Next. Next up is another new musical based on a film, <laughs> based on a classic children's novel. Yes. Tuck Everlasting. Now, some of you may have gone. Oh, some of you were like, what? Um, <laughs> or you might be in between, because I was like, I've seen that movie, and I can't
0: remember a thing about it.
2: Yeah, I, did, I didn't remember a whole lot about the movie, <laughs> Except that Alexis
0: Bledel was in it. Yeah,
2: Alexis, Alexis was in it. Rory Gilmore. Anyway, so Tuck Everlasting is a really sweet, whimsical story of a girl who leads a very sheltered life. Uh, she goes out into the woods behind her house, and she discovers uh, a family living in a... Um, a rundown old shack, and this family has drunk from a magical spring, and they can apparently live forever. Uh, and it's just sort of, uh, sort of a brief little uh, adventure, coming of age, romance-y kind of thing. It's really super, super sweet, super cute. Uh, really mm-hmm. lovely music. Um, everyone on the cast is really yeah. uh, charming. Carolee Carole
0: Carole Carmelo. Yeah. Oh. I could watch her do anything. Mm-hmm. We did see her do Scandalous, which was not the best musical, but she made it worth going just for her voice. Yeah. She's outstanding. Andrew Keenan Bolger. Yes. Uh, who will forever be 17 with or without mm-hmm. the, the Fountain of Youth. Yeah. Um, the, there was a guy that we saw in Dogfight years ago.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, really tremendous. It's sweet. It's charming. Um, the nice thing about it, too, for a family is that it clocks in with its intermission at just about two hours, so you're not out super, super late um, on some of those kids shows that run two and a half to nearer to three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So We thought it was a delight. It'll be interesting, frankly, to see if it survives, because um, um, it's got no... Nobody flies, nobody... <laughs> There's no witch that flies, there's no big special effect other than a cute frog that hops across the stage. (laughs) It's sweet, but it has no edge. Yeah. And kids who are watching Matilda and The Lion King and Wicked um, and Aladdin
2: may not connect as well with this, potentially. Mm -hmm. But it's so good. It is. It's a really terrific show. It'll be interesting to see if it's... Able to have a, a Broadway run. Uh, I have spoken before that I don't think it will yeah. pr- be particularly successful. It, it, I think its um, its future lies in uh, possibly a tour or regional productions. I think so, regional and schools will eat it up. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. If you have some time and you're in New York, check out Tuck Everlasting. Really cute show. Super great cast. Next... Uh, was a show I went and saw by myself because Jeff was busy at the Rainbow Book Fair, yep. which we will talk at length about uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, I went and saw the matinee of On Your Feet, which is essentially the Gloria Estefan musical. Um, and this is the very definition of a feel-good show. Um, it's a spe- it's essentially the story of uh, Gloria and Emilio Estefan and uh, their love story, how they meet, you know, creating their music, becoming, you know, international superstars, uh, you know, stuff about their family and being Cuban immigrants. Um, uh, it's a really exceptionally well done biographical show with, uh, inc- you know, exceptional, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for now? Um I've been using exceptional an awful lot, but uh, uh, we saw all really excellent amazing shows. It's hard to come up with enough. Um... yeah, this uh, on your feet qualifies as a jukebox musical, meaning that there is no original music uh, in this particular show. It's all pulled from the um, back catalog of Amelia um, Amelia Emilio and Gloria's uh, decades in music. Um, so there's stuff in there that isn't necessarily Miami Sound Machine or. No, it's it's from, it's, it's, it's stuff I may have never heard of, it's but it's their, not original. It's their entire catalog. Nice. Um, okay. And what's nice is is that while it's telling their story, the songs aren't uh, intrusive or um, strange. Like some some uh, jukebox musicals, the songs kind of feel you know shoehorned in. Mamma Mia, looking at you. Like Mamma Mia, where they just kind of shove those hits in and it doesn't necessarily make sense to the story. This is the opposite end of the spectrum. They really use the songs uh, in a really lovely, intelligent way. Um, I happened to see the understudy Gloria. Uh, She was wonderful. She was absolutely adorable, completely charming. I also saw the original Emilio. Uh, he is uh, really gorgeous, really charming. <laughs> you have a, a crush on this guy. I kind of do. I now get to now I understand why. He's got a great voice. He's really good looking and he's uh, really amazing. So I highly recommend On Your Feet. Hopefully this will tour uh, the country as well. I would imagine. Yeah. Super, just wonderful. Who doesn't like a Gloria Estefan song? I know. Come so, on. Anyway, anyway, so that was uh, really wonderful. We also saw a Revival. Uh, from the roundabout, th- the roundabout, the theater roundabout probably. theater company called She Loves Me. Oh, so gorgeous. Wonderful. Exceptional. And, <laughs> um, uh, this is a classic from the 19, 1963, 63 Bach and Harkening. Yep. And, um, probably not as well known as some of their other shows that they've done. Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. Um, yeah uh it's um basically the musical version of uh the classic workplace romantic comedies like you know shop around the corner which became you got mail yeah so uh,
0: um just amazing cast in this show too mm-hmm. um unfortunately laura bernardi was out sick um she had a really nasty virus we saw pictures of it on facebook <laughs> i'm sure her castmates are glad she wasn't there Poor girl Get better. Um, she's part Kryptonian now. There's no excuse for this. Supergirl didn't rub off on her at all. Yeah. But her understudy was delightful. And yes. having seen Laura in enough things, I could picture how good Laura would have been in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this also had Jane Krakowski, uh, Zachary Levi, Gavin Creel. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody in that.
2: Uh, yeah, a couple other people. It's really, really funny. Super cute. Beautiful music. Except, I mean, just, exceptional music. It, it really
0: reminded me of, like, romantic comedy of that era. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a time travel. Because uh-huh. they didn't, with some revivals, you know, they worked to update it or mm-hmm. put a new sheen on it. I felt like I was seeing something that was true to, like, 1963, except for maybe the stagecraft. Because, obviously, the stagecraft is mm-hmm. moving those sets around. It's a very, you know, 21st century thing like yeah. that. But it was a delight.
2: Yeah. Really, really wonderful.
0: Now for the kooky show of the match. Uh, yes. <laughs> disaster. And I don't know if you could, if you're on the on the, uh, if you're watching it on YouTube, you can catch kind of the program. It's a, it is a disco ball in a life tube or in a life preserver. Um, this show is bonkers, and it's so much fun. Um, it is overlay a disaster film set to a score of 70s disco, and you've got this show. Mm-hmm. Um, the base premise is you've got this massive floating casino uh, tied to a, a, a pier in the Hudson River, and it's its first big opening night, but there's danger because there's going to be an earthquake because of something that the ship has done to the <laughs> pier, which I didn't even pretend to try to figure out how that happened because it just really seemed wrong. Um like any good disaster movie, you meet everybody and then the disaster happens and then you've got to get rescued. Crazy big Broadway cast here. Uh, for pe- people that people would know, Roger Bart, because uh, he's been on TV. He's been on, he was on uh, Revenge for a number of years and has done some other TV. Uh, Adam Pascal, who was in the original cast of Rent as Roger and was in Aida. Uh, Carrie Butler, Kevin Chamberlain, Faith Prince. Rachel York, uh, Seth Rudeski uh, is responsible for this and is also in it. Uh, he's got a show on, uh, I think it's Cirrus, right? Mm-hmm. Cirrus XM, where he talks about Broadway a lot. He's also a columnist for Playbill and uh, does a lot of music arranging, I believe, as well for Broadway. Yeah. Uh, Max Crum, who, if you remember from years ago, won Grease, You're the One That I Want, when NBC had the big casting call for Grease. Over a decade ago now, I think. Yeah. That was. Um, had one of my uh, major Broadway crushes in it with Paul Castree, mm-hmm. who's just an adorable redhead who I've enjoyed since I first saw him in Footloose way long ago. Um, this show's a hoot. They break out into disco songs that... You talked about the jukebox musical where they just jam things in. I thought this was a thoughtful selection of tunes to jam into the plot of a disaster. Uh-huh. Yes. I don't think it's got any life. I don't think it'll tour. I think it'd be expensive because of the clearing all the rights for all these songs. Mm-hmm. But it is the best two hours you'll have because you will laugh your ass off. <laughs> yeah. Really, really funny. Super funny. Very yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. So I think that was the, the, the show roundup. What was your favorite? Shuffle was mine. What was yours?
3: Um...
2: You know what I? Um, I don't think I have a favorite. I actually enjoyed all of them uh, individually on their own merits. I think they all offered something um, really y- unique and special, and I loved every single one of them, frankly.
0: Yeah, I really did too. Shuffle just got went a little bit above and beyond for me. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of it was the tap dancing mm-hmm. that did it because that wasn't just. Simple tap dancing. That was a lot of people tap dancing in unison. It was almost like you were at stomp, just because of the force of the, of the tap that was going on. Mm-hmm. And I like a good percussion. So Yes, you do. Yeah. Okay. So, I think we're moving on now. Yes, yeah. let's move on to something else now. <laughs> uh, April, as you know, is Autism Awareness Month. And we've been talking about that the last couple of episodes. Uh, we met up with Tammy Middleton at Rainbow Book Fair to talk to her for a couple of minutes about what this means to her. Okay. It's Autism Awareness Month.
4: Yes. Tell us a
0: little bit about the Authors Sign Off auction that you're running.
4: It's an auction I run every year in April where authors donate swag. It's mostly books. They're signed books and stuff. Some add gift cards and things, publishers add gift cards, and all of the proceeds go to Autism Awareness.
0: How many years have you been doing this?
4: This is the fourth year. Yeah.
0: And how much, for example, did you make last year?
4: Last year was almost $1,000. The first year was only like 150, you know. So every year it gradually grows. This year, it, it's banking already. There's there's a lot of good bids, but I got probably more twice as many books as last year donated from authors.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and even from publishers. Yes. and This year's uh, for authors specifically. Author specific
4: things. This year's the first year. Yeah, enticing journey is doing some tour stuff. Uh, Jaya here, cover artist, is doing um, an ebook cover on there, so there's yeah, stuff for authors too. Oh, the narrators, Greg Tremblay and Sean Kristen are doing little short snippets. So it might be fun for a voice message or a book trailer.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why is this cause important to you?
4: Because I have an 18-year-old with autism. Yeah, he was diagnosed when he was 10, so, and it's been a struggle, and I just think that there's so much more that could be done medically for the condition. I hesitate to call it a disease, you know? So I think that there's just so much more that can be done, and with time, doctors they're learning more and able to do more. So I think we should just fund that.
0: And where do people go for information?
4: Um, www.ttcbooksandmore.com or finds TTC Books and More on Facebook. The actual album to bid is on Facebook.
0: And it runs through the end of April. Through the end of April. So we thank Tammy for talking to us a little bit about uh, autism awareness. The auction's going on all month. Uh, it's a TC ttcbooksandmore.com. That'll be in the show notes so you can click easily to it because it's a bit of a mouthful of a name to say. Um, Just this week I added an extra book into what I'm offering in the auction. Uh, I am offering the Hat Trick Trilogy uh, signed paperbacks. I'm also putting in a paperback of the sweet and sexy paperback collection that's coming out at the end of the month since it's got the Matt and Leo spinoff story. That way, whoever wins the auction will have the complete set of hat trick stories in paperback. Uh, And I will have a link in the show notes directly to that, uh, where you can bid for that on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, please take a look at all that. Please support that cause, because it's really awesome. And we'd like to help Tammy, you know, push the auction beyond where she was last year with it. So, I've also finished a book uh, since the last time we recorded. Uh, Ariel Takada's Unstable Stud. Part of Dream Spun Desires. Um, Loved it. Uh, She spun not only a great story between this stable boy who actually becomes a rider, a competitive rider over the course of the story, um, with the guy who owns the stable. Mm-hmm. and owns the horse okay. but also she, her and the environment in which she said it and I felt like I was at the ranch with the horse and okay. I could see this stuff so well you could tell that Ariel knows horses which I know she does um, from having talked to her many times uh, and the story was great it had a May December thing kind of going with it and it also had a little bit of workplace thing going for it and it's just like thumbs up Ariel good job cool yeah that's next on my TBR so awesome looking forward to that one. awesome I think you will enjoy it cool um, to quickly recap, some of where we are with uh, reality television. How hot was Niall this week? Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! The, he did a Tarzan samba with Peta, and let's just say that if you haven't seen Niall in a uh, in a loincloth, you're missing out.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was Disney Week on Dancing with the Stars uh, this this past Monday, and theme weeks can be a very mixed bag. Usually, they're pretty terrible. Just because the... I mean, okay, let's face it. This is Dancing with a Star, so the cheese factor is a little high to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and theme weeks can be extra super cheesy, and not in a good way cheesy. They're usually kind of horrible. Um, well, that, I, I, of I, don't, I don't have any words. I'm so sorry. We, Niall, oh my god, you're so hot. We wa- so The only good. other
0: one we watched was was Kim Fields. Yes. And she was delightful. Charming. Although I can't remember funny. what she did. Funny, funny, funny. Um, But Niall, holy crap. Not only was his dance good technically, yes. and he continues to done on that, but he was in a loincloth. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. You, that'll be in the show notes. You can see it on YouTube. <sighs> Whether you need to watch it for the first time or perhaps re-watch it.
2: Mm. Again and again and again.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, and The Voice went top 12 this week. Yes, Or they, they whittled down to the twelve. Um, I was very pleased to see because we, we we talked about this leading into it that the coaches all had the save, and it's like oh, but the saves never make it. The saves actually kind of made it this time, in two including two of the guys that we really like. Not a save you they brought back. You're right. Sorry,
2: they brought back somebody, and it didn't have to be from their team, which was actually very nice. So yeah, this this time uh, they brought back uh, anyone who had been previously eliminated. And uh, it worked out. Usually it's kind of just a gambit to fill time on the live shows because, you know, once once you're off, most viewers, you know, don't care or even remember yeah. who you are. Uh, but this time, yeah, in this the case. judges made some really smart choices, uh, brought back some very talented people who... Uh, America has voted through yeah, to the and top it, 12. And it wasn't
0: just that they yeah. got through the top 12. I mean, they were in the Twitter votes, or yeah. not or however you voted, because, yeah, Twitter's just part of it, that Nick and Daniel mm-hmm. were both big fans of Nick. I'm more of a fan of Daniel. I think they're both cute. You only think Nick's cute. Um, they both got brought back, and they both got passed through uh, via the vote. So it wasn't even the coach making that last mm-hmm. save um, mm-hmm. in some cases. Uh, really, some good performances this week. I love what Daniel and Nick did. Uh, Lathe channeled Joe Cocker with a little help from my friends. It was really, really good. Just outstanding, and you don't see that kind of rock on this show usually. No, you yeah. um, don't. And I was glad that he also got passed through via the votes. Yeah, because I think Adam would have saved him anyway. Oh God, yeah. But I was glad. The, <laughs> I was glad the viewers moved him on. Um, Shayla's version of "Listen." Mm-hmm. That girl's going to be in Dream Girls one day. Mm-hmm. Because she just, she blew that away. Yeah, um, Allison, my God, going Janis Joplin yeah. on Crybaby. Mm-hmm. Mm, so good. Um, other cute boy, Ryan, didn't make it. Which I kind of thought was okay. I, I wasn't that thrilled with his performance this past week. Um, I wasn't sure the song choice was quite right. Mm-hmm. And I was sad that Joe May didn't make it. Because I loved his version of Doobie Brothers' Long Train Running. <clears throat> yeah. He took it and he... He paid homage to the original, but then made it his own, too. Yeah. And it's just... But the team he was on, I think he was on... Was he on Blake's team? Mm, yes. Yes, he was. There was just so much competition there. Somebody had to go. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, he was the one, one of the ones who went.
2: Yeah, I think this year it's uh, a little different. I think when you cut down this severely, um, it's really about getting rid of the dead weight (laughs) frankly um because there are some people everyone who has made it this far in the show is talented that is a given that they're good at what they do but sometimes um their talent doesn't translate well to television or they're not comfortable uh performing live uh there are different levels uh, for some of the performers. So, but this year, I think, um, I think Pharrell had uh, has made some wonky choices so far this season, and his team is not up to par with everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Blake and Adam and Christina had. Uh, a, a stellar, exceptional group. And it was kind of heartbreaking to see them yeah. uh, cut the team's cut in half because everyone was really remarkable. Uh, that that wasn't necessarily the case with Pharrell. I think uh, the cut was good for him. He got rid of some of that dead weight. <laughs> yeah. And um, so now they've yeah. got a really uh, terrific top 12. Allison Porter is still slaying it. Uh, and I'm sure she'll continue to slay it. I think she's, yeah. you know, by far the front runner. I think she's definitely out front. Yeah. Yeah. So, <sighs> um,
0: <laughs> we did squeeze a movie in this week.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, we finally saw the Peanuts movie. Yay. What did the Turn Charlie Brown. Um, they, they took it and they took, they didn't break any new ground there. Let's just be serious. The, there was the Red Baron storyline for Snoopy and Charlie Brown and the little redhead girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but they found new spins on those mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. that were so just delightful. As a longtime Peanuts fan, I liked it. My only gripe is that they took those characters and put them into a computerized film. I would have liked to have seen the animation look more old school, um, mm-hmm. like they look in the TV the TV specials.
2: Um, well, I think it is, of course. Uh... It's it's a modern take on a classic design aesthetic. So the movie is, of course, computer animated, but there is also homage to the classic yes. Schultz line drawings. They didn't take it a long way away from
0: it. Correct. Yes. But I would have liked it to have been more like the more recent. More flat. <laughs> well, or at least more like the the more recent. Winnie the Pooh movie that came out a couple of years ago, where that looked like the classic A.A. Mill movies that we'd seen in the past, but you could tell it was updated a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, But it looked more like its origin than what we saw with the Peanuts movie. But again, loved it. Yeah. So... I was, I was quickly over my apprehension on the animation.
3: Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, really funny. I laughed out loud a lot. <laughs> yeah, I did too. <laughs> I did too. And it was really a nice take on Charlie Brown. I don't want to give a spoiler, but it's, it's Charlie Brown really unlike you've seen him before in a lot of ways, I
2: thought. I, I don't even know what to say to that. I guess, maybe? I don't know. It's hard for me to talk about it and I give spoilers on it. Uh, well, well it, uh, whatever.
0: Okay. Yeah. It, it was really that good. That was my feeling. That it was, <laughs> Charlie Brown has some nuances that I don't feel like we've seen before in either the specials or in the uh, comic strip. Okay. But really nice additions. Um, there is, it's Stanley Cup time. Stanley Cup playoff started this week. Stanley what? What yeah. is Stanley doing? Yeah, oh, I'm
2: kidding. I'm sorry.
0: Um, and I want to call out um, that there is a collection of hockey romance authors who've gotten together on Diane's book blog. Uh, to put up our Stanley Cup brackets and to make our Stanley Cup predictions. There's more than 40 of us up there. Uh, Very happy to be in that group. You can check it out at dianes-book.blogspot.com or just go to the show notes for episode 28. We'll link directly to it. Uh, She's got a Stanley Cup on the right side of her blog page, and you can click on that. See the authors who are involved. See the books that they've written, so you may find some new hockey romance there to check out. And you can see uh, all everybody's picks. Um, yes, I'm a Red Wings fan, and I'm very disturbed right now that we're two games down. Very disturbed. Um, but I've actually picked Dallas for my for my pick this year. I think they're going to be the ones to take it all the way based on the season they've had. So we'll see how that plays out over the next bajillion weeks. Because okay. th- this goes on until, like, June, <laughs> <laughs> potentially.
1: So. Okay.
2: All right. How about we get to the question of the week? Indeed. Okay. Last week's question was from Katie, and she asked, um, I have a friend who loves the darker side of M.M. Romance, um, and she wanted to know what our listeners could suggest in that vein. So Pat offered
0: up Raining Men by Rick R. Reed, and With or Without You by Brian Fairey. Now, Brian is a friend of ours. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to admit, I mean, I've read With or Without You a number of years ago. Um, it sits right here on my shelf. Here it is. <laughs> really nice book. Um, and it is dark. I didn't think of it right off, perhaps because it's been a number of years since I've read it, but it is, it is a, it's a dark
2: tale. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it is. Um, Scott says that SJD J.D. Peterson has some great BDSM gay romance novels, uh, he also says that both of Christian Bain's books that he's read, The Beast Without and Puppet Boy, have been pretty damn dark. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Quinn Cimarron have some interesting werewolf BDSM books. Oh that's
0: interesting. So there's some there's some stuff that you guys can check out. You can also go to the show notes for episode twenty-eight and see even more of what was suggested, <laughs> along with links to everything that's there, so you can just go, go shopping on Amazon if you want. Yes. So, Rainbow Book Fair. Rainbow Book Fair. Uh, I had a great time
2: this year. Yeah. This um, is the big NYC event, really, for gay fiction. Yes. Yeah. It's it and it Well, it's not just fiction. It's zines. It's comics. It's, oh, well, yeah, that's actually true. There's, there's a whole lot of stuff going there's
0: on. There's nonfiction there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. It was from t- noon to 6 on uh, last Saturday, April 9th. Uh, in a good space for it the crowd it's hard for me to judge the crowd um it seemed it seemed bigger than last year in terms of the number of people that i saw i think i haven't heard the official i know and i know some people who attended felt like it was off of last year since it was in this new location that was for some people hard to find um yeah, it... Mm, yeah, okay. I'm so- <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you even said, because you were thinking about coming back after you saw on your feed, and you're
2: like, I don't know if I could find that again. <laughs> and we used to live there.
0: <laughs> uh, it,
2: yeah, the John Jay School of... Blah, criminal blah, criminal blah, justice. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was sort of kind of in the boonies and the location, and you had to, like...
0: It was, sh- a, it was a drippy, rainy day most of the day, and you yeah. had to... Sh- You couldn't just walk off the subway and be in it. Yeah. Um, But I felt like I saw a good number of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I sold some books, more than I sold last year. I got more people. I engaged more people talking about either my books or the podcast, because we were talking about the podcast as well. Yes. Um, And I had my elevator pitch down more this year. Um, I knew exactly what I was saying about the hat trick books. I knew exactly what I was saying about the other things I had on the table for my other books. And I knew what I was saying about the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I could just be like, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) As opposed to last year where I kind of fumbled and changed up what I said every time. I think that's something that I think the authors who listen to this podcast really need to take into heart. It's like, think about what your elevator pitch is. If you've got... A sentence or two and like 15 seconds to say what your thing is. Have that down. So somebody asks, what do you write? Boom. There it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And we actually, I have found that with some of the interviews that you're about to hear too. Where not everybody said the name of the book they were talking about. Or not everybody was ready to do their thing. So authors,
2: think about that. (laughs) Have your pitch ready when it's time to give it. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you uh, in, in the in-between moments when you weren't, you know, selling and pitching and talking to people about Hat Trick, you did manage to walk the room and yep. see what was going on. And uh, there was a lot of different stuff. There were, as you mentioned, there were like some zines and some artists and some authors. And um, what did you get? Uh, what was your feeling? The, from the room this year, is it was it different or more diverse than years past? Or it felt a little more diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, zines seemed to have a bigger presence.
0: Okay, and I feel like there were more authors. I felt like there was more authors there. Oh, okay. okay, good. Than before, cool. as opposed to
2: smaller presses.
5: Yeah, that's. Or, yeah, I
2: agree with you. Yeah, or um, more more individual authors instead of. Yeah, little boutique presses and yeah, yeah, uh, which was good to see, um,
0: and a nice diversity of of different voices. There were uh, there was a good representation of lesbian fiction, mm-hmm. which unfortunately is not represented well in our interview segments. Okay,
2: um,
0: and uh, persons of color
2: mm-hmm.
0: who were there, which it's okay represented in our interview segments. My interview segments I have to say unlike where we had the Dream Spinner event where we had 3 days to collect whatever we wanted. This event there were 6 hours to do it and it was strategically walking away from my table mm-hmm. interviewing people but not interrupting people who were engaged with
2: their yeah. buyers and the people they needed to talk to. Yeah. Um so, so yeah Okay. Well, instead of talking about those interviews, why don't we why don't we let our our listeners experience them firsthand? Absolutely. Okay. Here are some of the people we talked to while we were at the Rainbow Book Fair. We're here at Rainbow Book Fair with Angel
0: Martinez. Hi. Hello. So, tell us what you've got going on here at the fair.
6: Well, I'm I'm here with Mischief Corner Books, um, which is a, a small press publisher. Um, we have mostly speculative fiction, science fiction, and fantasy. A little bit of paranormal. Um, And I have a a lot of different authors' books here today. Um, We have some Tony Griffin. We have some, well, there's some Angel Martinez. Look at that. Um, We have a couple from Scott Coatsworth and some from Freddie McKay. Um, What I I do want to point out is some of the newer things we have Um, from our uh, Fall Anthology. We have a couple of single titles that that came out recently. We have uh, Scott Coatsworth's The Autumn Lands with the beautiful Catherine Dare cover. this is actually a, a story that's appropriate for young people. It's a, a fantasy sci-fi story. Um, thats It's got a really cool twist and it's a lot of fun. This is actually Scott's first full-length, I think, release. So it's, it's a big thing for him. Um, the other one that I have from that anthology um, is Freddie McKay's Eternity and the Tides. Um, this beautiful cover is by Gus Lee. Um, and this one is a, a really interesting take on the uh, mermaid uh, folk tale, so it's not it's not Western mermaids, a lot of different um, uh, countries have mermaid tales, so this one is based on Asian mythology rather than Western mythology. So this is a, a really cool story. Um, it has, as Lexi Anders says, all the feels. <laughs> oh. So it's, it's fun stuff. Um, I also have the, uh, the Anchorage series with us. So this is a science fiction series for younger people also. Um, this one has all sorts of different gender pairings in it, uh, male-female, male-male, uh, gender-queering, gender-bending storylines. Um, there are seven novels. We are now up to number six. So this one just recently came out. Um, with the beautiful Harduck on the cover. These, and this is Catherine Dare again. Um, so I, I love the way she does the, um, the alien animals for us. They are so fun.
0: <laughs> We're here with Brian Sintrone at Rainbow Book Fair. Brian, tell us about the books you've got here.
6: Hi, well I've got two of my short story collections
2: today. One of them is called Erotica and it's my collected erotic fiction. Uh, seven short stories with also artwork paired by four different artists. Uh, Very literary erotica, Uh, lots of different themes, pirates, baseball, uh, some travel, frat stories, um, dating app. Uh, And I'm also here with my short collection called I Voted for Biddy Schumacher, three short stories of literary fiction from early in my career. And that's also illustrated, but that's by one artist called Lou Curtis. And it's all through New Lit Salon Press. Which are a small uh,
1: micro press that focuses on words and art. Hi, I'm Luke Curtis. Um, this is my zine, Kissing Hedwig. Uh, it's basically my story of coming out of the closet, coming of age, and making out with Darren Chris. So it's a bit of a mashup of a memoir and a Hedwig and the Angry Inch fanzine. And it's handmade, hand handbound, hand stamped. It's made with a lot of love. Um, so I, I think readers will really enjoy it.
0: We're here with Joseph Anthony. Uh, Joseph, tell us what you're up to these days.
5: Um, well, I'm basically promoting my uh, new book, The Alphabet of Dating. Um, it's basically um, focuses on how everyone has their own alphabet of people that uh, we've dated that makes up our own quest for love. So um, it's initialed entries about, uh, and there's, there's stories about the relationships. Um, so if someone dates someone with the initials AB, they're filed in their alphabet uh, under AB, and um, the story is told uh, alphabetically and not chronologically. So you sort of get a, a good mix as to uh, what each um, relationship uh, teaches us. And I try to uh, capture sort of like some universal truths, like uh, luck always plays its part. Um, the, when we're little, we rely on other people. Uh, in relationships, uh, but eventually it all gets left up to us at some point. Um, so that's um, the alphabet of dating. It's available at uh, DiamondMillPress.com, and uh, soon to be on Amazon as well. I'm working on a, a, a book of gay poetry, so I'm trying to build a following on Instagram. It's at Gay Poetry. Pretty simple. Um, if you follow, uh, not not everything um, posted there is stuff for the book. It's uh, posts. Um, just in about stuff I think about uh, in daily life that um, uh, hopefully people can relate to and uh, share with their friends.
0: So we're here with T.M. Smith and Max Voss at Rainbow Book Fair. Tell us what you've got here at the fair today.
1: Books. Books, condoms, candy, door hangers. Oh, and books. More
0: specific, what's the latest release?
4: Um, for me, it's Dare to Hope. It's the fourth book in the Alcock series. It just released last week, so I don't have it in paperback yet, but it's, it's already hitting up the charts. I think it's like number 200, which when you're thinking thousands and thousands of books, that's not too bad. Yeah, so that's I'm excellent. excited to see where it
0: goes. Great. Okay. Yeah. Max, what's new for you?
5: I uh, did a sequel to My
1: Hero, My Hero, The Olympian. It's been out for a few months, and it's huge, as you can see.
4: That's a big phone book fair. How
0: this?
1: many pages is
0: that? Uh, almost 400.
4: Right.
0: How's the fair been for you guys?
1: Been a lot of fun. Yeah,
4: lots of people coming by and talking, some people buying, looking. Um, there's people promoting too. So I, I like that, coming by and trading off cards because they're like, I will promote you on my site, you can promote me. So I like that as well. Yeah, meet readers and more authors too.
0: So we're here with Felice Stevens. Tell us what you have here at the fair.
7: Um, I have my Breakfast Club series, which I have sold out, fortunately or unfortunately, I have sold out of my first one, Beyond the Surface. I still have my Betting on Forever, and the third in the series is Second to None. I have offered the first book in my Memory series is permanently free on all platforms so you can download it from anywhere and then pick up the second book which is One Step Further um, and all my characters appear in all my stories so there's a lot of crossover of all the guys. I, as a reader I always like reading about people continuing on so I, as a writer I kept that.
1: And um,
7: I have my bracelets, I have my little flags. I have Catherine Dare's little Skip and Pip who come with me everywhere. Skip and Pip are always here. They travel with me everywhere. They'll be coming with me to RT next Tuesday. And um, I think that's it. I have Penn Squad. Well, uh, come see me next week at, in Vegas. And at GRL. And at GRL. We will be in GRL in Kansas City. <laughs> Kansas City, here we come.
0: So we're here with Jenna Kendrick. Tell us what you have here at the fair.
7: Hi, um, I have Make Me Believe, which is book one in my Hawaiian Haven series that came out last year, and Stuck With You, which is book one in the Reinvented series, which just came out today, um, and book two will be out next month, and swag, pins and candy and all that is good in the world. <laughs> awesome. Are
0: we going to see you at the
7: GRL later this year? I will be at GRL this year, yes. Yes.
0: So we're here with C.S. Poe. Tell us what you've had here at the book fair and what's new.
4: Um, well, not new is I have some short stories here um, Love Has No Expiration, and in the Simmer anthology, I have a short story called Needing You. And those are a lot of fun, but the main thing that I have that I'm promoting is uh, Snow and Winter, which is a mystery romance series. It's going to be out this August with DSP Publications, which is the genre boutique of Dream Spinner Press. And the first book is called The Mystery of Nevermore. It's about a kind of crotchety antique dealer and an NYPD homicide detective who have to investigate a whole bunch of murders that have to do with the writings of Edgar Allan Poe. So that's what I'm promoting, and it's got a aw- awesome swag, and I'm really excited.
3: So we're here with Chris Ethan. Chris, tell us about your latest book. Hi. Um, my latest book is My First Gay Romance. It's um, a story about two um, young adults, new adults, that um, uh, circumstances have brought them to be homeless, uh, and they live in New York City, the streets of New York City. Um, they meet each other under strange circumstances, um, they, they bond and they try to build their lives back uh, back together. Um, um, facing the storm and the waves that come their way um, and trying to find their happy ever after.
0: Did you enjoy writing your first gay romance?
3: Um, yes, I did, surprisingly so. I didn't know if I could do it. Uh, I'd never written any con- anything contemporary before. Um, so that was my first. Contemporary and I actually loved it, and I was surprised myself with how fast I wrote it as well
0: Do you, do you foresee more in your future?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. There's it, once you start you can't stop. So I'm, on, I'm working on the second one in the series at the moment and On plenty more for the rest of the year
0: So we're here with A.E. Vi. A.E., tell us what's new here for you at the fair?
3: Uh, I brought with me my Bounty Hunters series, so I have Promises 2 with me, and this just released uh, a couple weeks ago. It's doing really well on the charts. Really enjoyed the feedback. The reviews are doing well, and people seem to be enjoying it. Um, I also have my Nothing Special series here with me as well. It's doing really well. The next release for me will be Nothing Special 5. Looking forward to that. So we're here with Martisha Knight. Morticia, tell us what you have new here at the fair.
4: Well, probably the newest one that I have is the third installment of the Kiss of Leather series. That would be Bondage Rescue. And the first one, Building Bonds, has been nominated for the BDSM Writers' Con Award, Best LGBTQ uh, BDSM Fiction. So this is gonna end up being probably about a six-book series, and it tells the story of three doms who decide to put together a BDSM club in West Hollywood and their adventures. And it has one underlying mystery suspense theme to it as well.
0: So we're here with Bubba. Tell us what you've got here at the fair today. Uh,
8: Okay, so uh, this is uh, one of my books. Um, This is Papa. It is um, an exploration of the kind of daddy bear, male archetype through images and redacted um, pieces of Hemingway's biography. Uh, So that is one piece that I have here. Um, Another is the Incomplete Compendium of Body Worship. This is a collection of interviews about different people's favorite parts of the male body and what they like to do with them. Uh, Each interview is paired with an image. Uh, Over here, this is a graphic novella uh, focused on two young punks living in the city uh, trying to figure out what the parameters of their relationship will be like. There's polyamory and fisting and lots and lots of love. Uh, and then uh, this piece is called Body Architecture. It is a collection of ten poems comparing the male form to different architectural movements, um, mostly over the past hundred years or so. Um, and then I have some, those are the books, and then I have smaller zines here. Um, these, the Two Messet Notebooks, are reworkings of my high school uh, journals, and class notebooks uh, with really kind of overwrought dramatic poetry about the boys that I was in love with and couldn't touch. Um,
0: Where can people find all this online?
8: Uh, so I have several websites. I have uh, Wabi Sabi Zines with a Z um, as a big cartel store. Had to think about that for a moment. Uh, you can also find links on my Tumblr, Wabi Zines
1: with a Z dot, Tumblr, dot or, or com.
8: We're here with
0: Adam from AMW Comics. Tell
1: us what you've got here at the fair. Well, we've got uh, we're here with Young Protectors. It's our our first collected edition of the webcomic Young Protectors, which has been publishing online for a few years. Uh, it's the story of Kyle. He's a firebending superhero who one day dares to go into a gay bar for the very first time, and he happens to run into the Annihilator, the most nefarious supervillain on the planet. Uh, Instead of a fight, sparks fly of a romantic nature. Whether or not that's a good thing, one has to keep reading to find out. Um, And we're really proud of it, we're really really happy with it. We're just selling it now at uh, conventions and book fairs and events like this. Uh, It was Kickstarter-funded. Once everybody gets their Kickstarter copies, everybody will be able to get their copies through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the traditional outlets. So that's that's what we're pushing. We also happen to have uh, the author, Alex Wolfson, his first book, which was Artifice, um, drawn by the very talented Winona Nelson. Uh, this is a sci-fi story, uh, romance between a boy and his robot friend. Um, very interesting. This is a standalone story. This is available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, and it's a Lambda Award-nominated uh, book, and it's done very well for us.
0: So there you go. That's, that's the people we talk to. And everything that is mentioned in those interviews is all linked up to on the show notes for episode twenty eight at biggatefictionpodcast.com Cool. So for most of the books, they'll link you up to Amazon, or I'll tell you that they're going to be link- you are going to be linking to specific people's websites uh, for books that may not quite be out yet, and and things like that. So make sure you. Check all that stuff out, and if you want to check out everybody who exhibited, you can still go to rainbowbookfair.org and see the exhibitors list. Cool. That is still there. Okay. Because um, it was some good stuff this year. Yeah. So... That'll do it for this week, I think. Well, we are. Re- we, we should make a mention that we're retiring. Question of the week. Yes. <laughs> we have run out of questions. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah.
0: as, we've, as we've gotten past, you know, 26 episodes, 27 yeah. episodes, we're like... Yeah. It's harder to come up with questions, but we have a groovy news segment that's going to debut uh, in the first week of May. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to. But we did want to just let you know, we didn't forget the question of the week. It's just not going to be here anymore.
2: Well, it'll make sporadic
0: returns, possibly, Sporadic returns. And the news segment yeah. will have a chance for our audience to interact anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We're excited good about that. Good you'll, stuff. You'll find out about that in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that does wrap it up for us. Next week, uh, one of the things we did while we were in New York was talk to the guys who run the Bureau of General Services Queer Division, Mm -hmm. which is a combination bookstore, art gallery, and event space that is housed inside the LGBT Center in New York. Yeah. Uh, Donnie and Greg are pretty awesome, and they've taken on a ginormous task at a time when bookstores... Are really not the thing you want to necessarily start <laughs> up, as you've heard us talk about recently. Yeah. Um. So we're going to have their story next week from how they began as a as a pop up in the in the village to being a space inside the center.
2: Yeah. Uh, I love talking to them. They were a hoot.
0: Yeah. So much fun. I love them to pieces. So. Yeah. It was it was great that they were able to take the time to talk to us. Mm-hmm. So that will do it for this week. Please think about leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to our podcast, because uh, that'll help us. Get in front of more people who may be interested in the podcast. Yes. And in the meantime, we will see all
2: of you back here next week. All right. See you next time, guys. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's
1: Big Gay Fiction Podcast. For detailed show notes, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com.